Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode of 53 of Buds and Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell. And after we had a pinch hitting appearance from our friend Isaac Bass last episode, we're back with my usual co-host, Riley McConnell. And Riley, what's going on? How are you? I am good, man. Uh, as for the Jays, I can't say that they are. Um, and I absolutely mean every pun intended behind this, but we are getting absolutely showed up right now against the <laughs> Angels. And it's been a tough weekend for us, man. We'll get into that and all the all the good stuff, and but mostly all the bad stuff on today's episode. I myself am doing fine, Jesse. I assume you are probably mm -hmm. a little bit hot and bothered over what's happening in the Dome right now. But mm -hmm. hey, man, that's baseball, I suppose. Before we get into the meat of the episode, Riley, I want to ask you something, Riley. What number is higher? The number of runs that the Blue Jays have scored in this series or the number of hits that Nickelback has? Ooh, see, I'm a Canadian. I like my Nickelback a little bit, but um, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty close. It's pretty <laughs> close. I mean, I did. If I'm if I'm at uh, if I'm at karaoke, I might uh, do a little bit of do a leader of men once in a while. But uh, no, we've stunk, dude. We've stunk. Yeah, you kind of mentioned it there. The Blue Jays are swept by the Los Angeles Angels. We scored a grand total of two runs all series against a pretty poor. I mean, aside from Shohei Otani, he's great. Like that's a scheduled loss. You expect that one. But the other two guys, Reed Detmers, yeah, he's good, he's fine, but you don't really expect to get shut out by him. And Tucker Davidson today, only being able to get two runs off the Angels, kind of really sucks. And yeah, things after a great road trip with the Blue Jays went six and one. The vibes were good. We come home against the Angels and we get swept. Not ideal, Riley. No, I mean, it's a definitely a team we should have beat. Mm -hmm. It's certainly a team that has, you know, had its struggles this season. We know this. Um, I mean, you might not men mention it a lot here. The NL West, I don't watch a lot of those games. Sorry, the AL West, they play at when I'm pretty much fast asleep. Mm -hmm. But this is an LA Angels team that have, you know, two or three good players and have struggled the majority of this year. Would have been a great series for us to jump on and pile on to the winning streak we've been on. But instead, Jesse, like you said, man, we couldn't find our bats against pitchers. We probably should have had. We should have took two out of three games. I would have been happy with that. I would have expected that going into this. But we're on the tail end of a of a big old sweep. We handed Boston a broom, and the Angels went right back at us and did us the same do. Yeah, we'll get into the story about the offense a little bit as we go on here, but I want to get into the game recaps first. But before I do, Riley, the Angels just went into Tampa Bay before they came to Toronto, and the Tampa Bay Rays swept the Angels. Now the Angels come to Toronto, and the Angels sweep the Jays. That's a six-game swing there that the Angels have caused in this AL wildcard race, and just not ideal. But let's get into the game recap here. Game one, uh, the Angels crushed the Blue Jays. They smoked them 12 nothing. This was sort of a scheduled loss. The Jays didn't get into Toronto until about 5 a.m. Their bullpen was taxed after two extra inning games against the Red Sox. Mitch White, though, needed a good start. He didn't. He struggled. Five innings pitch, but he gave up seven earned runs, three walks, eight hits, five Ks. Okay, that meant Yusei Kikuchi had to pitch, and it went exactly how you think it would when Yusei Kikuchi was pitching. But Whit Merrifield got a pitching appearance on the mound. And whenever you have a position player pitching, things are not going well. Game two, um, I was at this game. It was the anniversary of the 92 World Series team. The Jays lost this game 2-0. Shohei Otani versus Alec Manoa was an awesome pitcher's duel. I'm glad I got to see that. But the Jays didn't get a hit after the third inning. You're not going to win many games where that happens. Uh, John Snyder did get ejected, though, at his first time as Blue Jays manager. And game three, I think it just finished up or it's still in progress here. But the Angels are winning 8-2 in the ninth inning. The boat Jays offense wasn't good. Their defense wasn't good. Their base running wasn't good. Ross Stripling gave up a few home runs, but he did have a quality start. 
The bullpen gave up home runs to Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. That'll happen. Those are good players. The Jays could only muster two runs, but it just wasn't good enough, Riley. And after this series, the Jays stand at 69 or 68, sorry, and 58. We're nine games back at, at the Yankees. We're in the we're in the third and final wild card spot. We're half a game behind the Rays, who are currently winning against Boston. And we're tied with the Seattle Mariners, who are tied with Cleveland at the moment. And uh, we're a game and a half up on the Orioles, who are tied as well in the seventh inning. So, Riley, how are we feeling after this series against the Angels? Well, not good, obviously, man. You can't feel good about that. I would actually go out on a limb to say it was probably one of, if not the worst um, series we played defensively as a whole team. Mm-hmm. We were throwing the ball around. Plays that should have been made were just not made, man. And it's not, I'm not pointing the finger at one guy. It's one and lost with nine guys in the order. It's one and lost with nine guys on the diamond. And you know what? To Mitch White's credit, not going to give him much, but he didn't get a defense behind him in game one. True, yeah. And, you know, you look at a game like that on the score and it didn't come down to, you know, you know, pitching wasn't there, but our defense wasn't there. And then you got Manoa and Shohei. Obviously it's, it's a, it's a marquee matchup, man. And, you know, we came out with the loss there and today just a, another game and we share batch should have came around in game three. I thought they certainly were, but not the story, man. Not the story at all. And here we are kind of sitting with, you know, a sweep now. And there's not much, there's not a real big takeaway from this, Jesse. We just did not play good as a unit. I, again, I say our worst series defensively as a team this year. Yeah, uh, let's get into the Blue Jays offense first before we start into this defense. And, uh, you know, some lacklusters Angels pitching in here, especially into that bullpen. And the Jays just couldn't hit it. Riley, and I want to recap how some of the Blue Jays hitters did in this series, all right? George Springer went two for 11. He had a walk. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., two for 13 in this series. Lourdes Gurriel Jr., two for eight in this series. Alejandro Kirk, one for nine. Bo Bichette was actually three for nine, which is a 333 average, probably best on this team. Matt Chapman, one for eight. And this is the big one, Riley. The combination of Santiago Espinal, Rymel Tapia, Jackie Bradley Jr., Kevin Biggio, and Whit Merrifield went a combined one for 28 in this series with no walks. Ouch. That's what's really hurting you here is these guys in the back end of the uh, the lineup here really aren't getting anything done here. And combine that with the fact that the Jays were one for 18 with runners in scoring position and they haven't hit a home run in over 29 innings now at the plate. Yikes. That's not the Blue Jays offense. We know that's not the Blue Jays offense that we've seen for most of the season. And yeah, maybe it's just a bad series or what, but they look terrible right now. Not only is it not the Blue Jays offense that we should be getting, it's not even a major league caliber offense. Mm -hmm. When you're talking a combined one for 27 among, let's say one player could be two players, could be eight players. Doesn't matter. It's an unacceptable stat. And again, another number you throw in there at me was our runners in scoring position. It's the, it's our telltale of this year. And that's that we cannot hit with runners on. Um, I think today, Chapman drove in a run on a double. I know that because I love Matt Chapman, but other than that, (laughs) what have we done? What have we done? Like it can't be, it can't be once every game. This has to be, you got to kind of get on the merry-go-round and start hitting around that one game where we hit, it felt like eight doubles in a row. And now we're Mm -hmm. sitting here with, you know, stranded 11, 12 guys on base. Doesn't matter. We're not getting production out of this, out of this, 
lineup right now. And the lack of walks too is, is important. I know that we're an aggressive team at the plate and I don't expect guys like Tapia to walk. I don't even expect it from Espinal a whole lot, but when you've got those kind of guys at the back end of your order, trying to turn the lineup over is important. You got George Springer, you got, you know, Tay Oscar up there, you got Vlad up there and we're not turning it over to give to those guys. Now, mind you, those guys weren't getting hits either. So again, it honestly didn't matter. That I feel like it didn't matter. They went one for 27. It sucked. But we just lost the series because our, our little guys didn't show up and our big guys didn't show up. Not hitting for power. I think Jansen had another double today, but that's it. Yep. Like, There's nothing really good to talk about that we did offensively, man. There's not too many good takeaways from that. I mean, if anything, the main guys are still drawing their walks. Like Bo Bichette actually had three walks in this series. Um George Springer still taking some walks. Guriel had a walk today too, but that's it. These, these like other guys at the bottom of the order just aren't doing it. And yeah, you know, hitting is contagious Riley. And I feel like we just need a spark, like some guy maybe to come off the bench, get a big hit for this team. And that'll really get this team going. But I don't know if you can manually just produce a spark. Like I don't know what John Schneider and company can say to just make someone just randomly hit better or flick a switch to have it go. And these are all good hitters. They've been good hitters for the most of the career. They will get out of it. It's just, Right now, things seem bleak, and uh, yeah, they just need something to go their way. Yeah, and I'm sure they will, man. And the home runs will turn around here, I'm sure, very quickly. Again, it's a spot. It's been a spotty thing. Um, I expect in the next, you know, two three weeks, we'll see, you know, a surge from Bo, a surge from Lourdes. Maybe we see a spark of power there. Finally, we see it. You know, Vladdy launch a couple into the seats. You know, baseball is a timing thing. It's the longest season in any professional sports, 162 mm-hmm. games. There are going to be some dry spells. And if I'm going to say that there is a is there is a drought right now and a dry spell for the Toronto Blue Jays, and that's in our run column and in our offense. It's just not happening right now, Jesse. But baseball is a game of statistics, man, and averages. And uh, it's a it's a thing that's bound to turn around in the next series and in the following weeks. Remember, things are never as good as they feel when you're winning and things are never as bad as they are when you're losing. So I think it'll be a good step going forward here. I do want to talk from offense, though, to the defense. And I want to talk about Bo Bichette's defense specifically. Now, Riley, you and I had this conversation way back in April when Bo was struggling with the glove and we had some thoughts about you know, is it time to move Boba Shed off of shortstop and whatnot? And we decided he didn't. And then he, you know, he's been fine for the most part of the season, but he had a costly error in the series finale against Boston that led to a run that caused the game to go to extra innings. He also had a bad one in the first inning of game two of this series. And that cost Alec Manoa a ton of extra pitches. And Bo Bichette now has 16 errors on the season, which is second most in baseball behind only Javier Baez. And Bo's UZR, which is ultimate zone rating, which I'll explain a little bit for those of you who don't know. It's a defensive metric that uses play-by-play data to estimate each fielder's defensive contribution and theoretical runs above or below an average fielder at his position. So therefore, a shortstop with a UZR of zero is exactly a league average shortstop um, that year in the year 2020. Bo Bichette's this year is negative 8.4 which is with zero being league average. And if you want to talk defensive runs saved, Bo Bichette is negative 11, which is fourth worst in all of baseball and the worst for a shortstop. There was hope with Matt Chapman coming back over to third base. It would help with Bo so he doesn't have to move as much, but it hasn't. Bo Bichette has not been a good defensive shortstop this year. And we've already talked about how struggles at the plate too. I would not be surprised at all if the Blue Jays go into this offseason and they try to sign a shortstop to play better defense there and maybe move Bo Bichette to second base. It would not surprise me one bit. 
They all, I, I know this, they said this growing up, and we like Bo Bichette. The shortstop's the guy with all the swagger on the team, you know, all the cool gear, the good hair, whatever else, the good-looking guy. That's the shortstop, you know, the, the guy with the ego. And um, I don't know what kind of egos Bo, Bo's got right now, but it's it's certainly his confidence has to be shaken, I'm sure. Uh, when he was a minor leaguer, they all, they said there's no way this guy's going to be a major league shortstop. Well, it's true. Jesse, I'm he's he's – you know, he's played a good size of games in his MLB career at shortstop. I don't know exactly where he sits. I imagine it's just around, we'll say, 300. So in 300 games, we'll say um, he has certainly proved that he is going to be a career, you know, l- below league average or at very, very best a league average shortstop. And that's with extreme you know, tool adjustments. Um, it's certainly not the worst idea, Jesse, to um, acquire a shortstop. The problem is, um, is shortstop is a valuable position to try and acquire, you know, the, the right town and the right piece for this Blue Jays team. Now we could get a veteran guy or whatever, because I doubt we're going to get a young stud to come in and play shortstop. That was supposed to be Bo Bichette. Mm-hmm. And certainly been a down year on offense for him. And I would guess, you know, when his career is said and done, he might look back at this 2022 season and it might actually be his worst defensive season of his career. And for God's sakes, let's hope it's the worst defensive season as his, as his career goes on, because there's not a whole lot of room to get worse. If you consider where he lies average wise, he is one of the worst. He's a plays a premium position and he's playing, you know, some of the worst defense you can at a major league level. So that's kind of sad. You hate to move Bobachet off short, but if you can bring in a guy, he will give you give you the glove. He might not give you the same bat as Bo, but you know what? No harm in having Bobachet play second base. If, if this is what you're gonna get, um, you know, throughout his career and throughout his season. There were rumors um, two off seasons ago when the Jays were uh, interested in Francisco Lindor and ended up signing George Springer instead. There were rumors that Bobachet did agree to go play second base, but the problem is Bobachet does have that ego and he has got the confidence, which you should have honestly to be a big league player. But if you want to move him off shortstop, I think like you said, he's supposed to be the cool guy. He's supposed to be the guy that goes there and, I'd be worried it slams his confidence if you'd have to tell him he can't play shortstop anymore. I don't know, but that's a conversation for another day. Let's move on to something else here. We just know that Bobachet needs to play better defense. And I think we're both confident that he will going in next season, that he will be better. Yeah, that is the plan, man. Yeah. Really quickly, let's get into Mitch White's start here. I don't have a lot to say. It's his fourth start as a Blue Jay. It was by far his worst one. He did have one start that was worse than this when he was with the Dodgers when he gave up 10 hits and six earned run against the Cardinals. I don't put a ton of blame on Mitch White. Like I said earlier, the team got in really late. You know, Mitch White isn't the ace on this team. He's a four or five guy, you know, might get a little better as we go. But any major takeaways on his performance? Or was just sometimes you're going to have this from your fourth or fifth starter? <laughs> I think it's a, sometimes you're going to have this set of your fourth and fifth starter. Um, I won't scrutinize him too hard. As you said, just, you know, he got hit around and, you know, wasn't backed up defensively enough and just, it was an all around very, very bad game. Let's just say that he got saddled with the loss in it and, you know, deservingly so. Yeah. Coming off a start too, where he did muster through four and two thirds innings, but he gave a lot of hits too. And I wonder if that's just what we're going to have from Mitch White. Problem is, we don't have anyone else to start other than Mitch White. So he's going to keep getting a run. We're going to see a lot of him as the season goes on here. So let's hope he can uh, 
get things a little better. Because honestly, the Jays are going to need it. We're going to need good pitching performance out of this after, you know, getting swept by the Angels. And if Mitch White is having bad performances too, this is going to look really, really bleak for the Blue Jays playoffs. Hope. Yeah, I expect him to, um, you know, pitch in, you know, kind of important games for us. I expect us to, you know, maybe win that wild card game and play in a series. And I think that where our pitching lies right now, I had confidence in Mitch White that he would, you know, put up some numbers. But we'll see after this, man. We're knocking on the door of September and, um, you know, we get in a blowout like that. I think our worst loss uh, in a run differential this year for sure. Um, and, you know, they look at who started the game. It was Mitch White. So he's going to have a lot of negative for that, but it's not all on him. The last time the Blue Jays gave up double digit runs and were also shut out was an R.A. Dickey's second ever start as a Toronto Blue Jay. So there's a little uh, fun fact for you there. That is a very fun fact. <laughs> yeah. Moving on to some positives, though. We get the negatives out of the way. The Blue Jays did do some good things, Riley. And how about Alec Manoa's start here? Uh, he had been in a rough patch lately, too. So it was actually really good to see from Alec Manoa. Seven innings pitch, four hits, one earned run, two walks, eight strikeouts. The eight strikeouts were his second highest total of the season. Only bested by the other time this year, he faced the LA Angels, which was in LA, where he had nine. Manoa threw 70 of his 105 pitches for strikes, which was great because he's been struggling with his command over the last four or five starts or so. Now, his velocity was down a little bit, 1.5 miles per hour, just like Kevin Gosman's was in his last start. And at one point, I'm pretty sure he threw a fastball at 89 miles per hour. But obviously, this stuff worked, and the Jays did, like Alec Manoa did his thing. He battled, he grinded against a really tough matchup in Shohei Otani. So, any thoughts on Manoa's start? It, it was a gutsy performance, man. He went out there and threw strikes. Yeah, the velocity might have been ticked down a skosh, but honestly, it was it was a gutsy performance. You love to see that out of Alec Manoa. He's an absolute competitor. He was going up against one of baseball's best in Shohei. Mm -hmm. And you know what? <clears throat> we didn't get the outcome we wanted. It was still a marquee matchup for us. And you, you feel good about it. One of the best things um, from this series is you can kind of you're kind of less worried about Alec Manoa. You just hope that our offense picks it up. It was you certainly you feel good now. I know he had his rough starts, but this was a great start for Alec Manoa, and it showed. Ben, he was, he was, he was throwing out there. I know the velocity was down, but that slider is a thing of beauty. It sure and his is. Pick mix is is his pick pitch mix is you know one of the best on this club. I would say just behind Gosman. Honestly, though, what a treat to to watch Shohei Otani. I know I shouldn't. Uh... Shouldn't go crazy over the opponents and the other guys, but Shohei Otani is so good. Some of the movement on his sliders is just insane. And if you like pitching, Saturday's game was the game to be at. Now, I will say, Riley, the Jays have now lost five straight Alec Manoa starts. Now, that's not all on Alec Manoa. If Alec Manoa has seven innings, four hits, only one earned run allowed, the Jays are going to win more of those than they lose. But are we concerned at all that the Jays have lost five straight starts made by Alec Manoa? No, that is that is just the law of averages in baseball. I know I bring it back to that almost as an excuse. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I'm I'm not trying to make a whole lot of excuses, but it is Alec Manoa, and my concern level is at a zero. Um, you could have a pitcher that gets 14 wins and has an ERA of five and a WHIP of <laughs> right. 1.4, and you could have a pitcher who has a WHIP under one and still have three wins on the season. It just depends what kind of offense you're getting behind you. And he just hasn't, he just hasn't been in the right ball games um, with his guys. And you know what? He was the only reason we stayed in that ball game. I, I, I'll say that first and foremost, you know, at least he kept the game close. It's Alec Benoa. What else can you say? I, he just, he's been unlucky as far as, but you know, 
I hate, I said this before, I hate wins and losses. There are so many better stats that yes, represent pitching. And it, for this year, it is not Alec Manoa. And um, I know last year he only, I think, got dealt uh, one or two losses, might have been two losses. Um, and it took his, his third career loss a long time going into this season. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's go back. Laws of averages in baseball. If he gets, you know, five starts and has three losses on that, but his ERA and his whip and his FIP are just incredible. Yeah, I don't care. Let's just, you know, I'd like to give him a support. Alec Manoa at one point in his career deserves to be a 20-game winner. It obviously won't be this season, but mm -hmm. he's going to be one of those guys. He's going to get a ton of Cy Young votes in the next four or five years and, you know, maybe a Cy Young in the mix. Not even worried one bit. Good. That's the right answer to take away from that, too. Me, too. It's nothing Manoa's doing. He's doing his part. It's good to go. Uh, Riley, quickly, we'll get through these next few things here. Um, thoughts on Ross Stripling start today? He went six innings, uh, seven hits, three and runs, gave up two home runs. But yeah, any major takeaways? I thought that he got hit pretty hard. He didn't. Again, it's a it's a you know, I put Stripling in a little bit more higher regard than than Mitch White. Mm -hmm. um, again, it, Stripling has has been an overachiever at what I thought he could do for this Blue Jays ball club. And I think the Angels just—I think the Angels just came into the Rogers Center and were just almost, almost like we, almost like we were dating their sister or something like that. Like <laughs> they, they just wanted off, to, eh? they just wanted <laughs> to beat the hell out of us, man. I don't know what it was. Uh, they came to play, and we obviously kind of slept on it. And again, it's nothing. It's nothing against Stripling. He was in the wrong ball game. I thought he pitched just fine, though. Um, on the year, though, for Stripling. What an incredible job. Uh, glad to see him back with our club. Obviously, this is his second start since his rehab assignment. Mm -hmm. And um, I think he's looked just fine, man. I'm, nothing wrong with Stripling either. Yeah, another quality start. It's his third straight start going at least six innings. And this guy reminds me so much of Marco Estrada when he was at his best, or at least the stretch we've seen from Ross Stripling lately, where he just throws right over the top. He's got that really good changeup and a high-spin fastball that can really produce a lot of pop-ups. And just like Marco Estrada, he'll give up the odd home run or two, and he gave up two in this series. But if, if we're getting anywhere close to what Marco Estrada did for those 2015 and 16 teams out of Ross Stripling, it's going to be great for this team. Yeah. Um, again, Estrada, a journeyman too, mostly in his career. Stripling, his his tenor was with the Dodgers and now with us. So um, I think <clears throat> the age factor for Stripling, I think he's uh, younger than Estrada when he was in kind of his prime area, maybe by two or three years, give or take. Um, I like Stripling on this ball club. Not a guy who's going to cost us a crap load of money. Um, supposed to be our long relief guy. Definitely solidified himself as the four starter. And it, sometimes it feels like he should be the third starter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Nothing but good stuff from Stripling. We expect to see more of it going forward. Riley, really quickly, I'm going to spit off some notes here. If any of these catch your attention, um, let me know and we can talk about it. But uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. threw out a base runner at third base from right field on a throw that went 92.7 miles per hour. Top 20 mark in all of baseball. So Jackie Bradley Jr., not only does he have the speed in the glove, he's got a cannon. So good to see. Keep that in mind. Uh, John Schneider got ejected in game two of the series for arguing balls and strikes. Now, I wasn't at the game, so I couldn't see how close the pitches actually were to not being strikes. But I think John Schneider just wanted to go out and fire up his team um, just to get a spark or something going, which is what a manager should try to do. Um, didn't work, but hey, worth a shot. And I think Teoscar Hernandez's foot injury is still clearly bothering him. 
a healthy Teoscar Hernandez would have scored on a base hit. He was at second base and there was a base hit from Whit Merrifield to center and he uh, he didn't score. He stopped at third and when he's healthy, Teo scores on that. And then there was a time he was on first base today and there was a ground ball hit to shortstop, which the shortstop bobbled. And I don't know if it was just a mental error that Teoscar thought the throw was going to go to first and he didn't run, but he was end up getting forced at second because he wasn't running. And if the leg is not 100% healthy from Teoscar Hernandez, I really think he should go on the IL or at least have a bench. Or you saw Mark Budzinski talking to Teoscar Hernandez on the bench too and He's a player who's better than this. He knows how to be better than this, and he hasn't been, and it's just it's kind of struggling right now. I'll be quick on all three of your points. Uh, JBJ, there was a time when the American League East had um, three of the – well, I'll say the best center fielders in the league. Um, I would say the three of them would have been Pilar for our Blue Jays, mm-hmm. Kiermaier, and um, for the boss Red Sox, Jackie Bradley Jr., the best center fielders at the time. And there was a time where Jackie Bradley Jr. was, I would say, better than all of them. You know, Kiermaier might li- not like to hear this as he's been <laughs> on the re- quoted on the record saying he's the best. Again, I'm not surprised. I know his bat isn't there anymore, but he certainly can do it in the field. Um, as far as Tay Oscar goes, yeah, we need a healthy Tay Oscar to, um, to win ball games for sure um he's he's a cornerstone in our in our lineup and uh, he's done pretty well defensively and as far as john snyder goes i'm still trying to feel him out a little bit mm-hmm. i don't mind that he tried to, to i don't mind that he tried to get turfed in this game I, I see nothing wrong with it you're trying to fire your guys up you do things for the right or wrong reasons when you go out and you argue balls and strikes, it's it's a known thing. You, you're you not going to get away with that. You can challenge plays now and everything like that. You know, the it really hurts the umpire's feelings when you try and question their, <laughs> your, their visibility of the strike zone. I don't know. But it's, it's, it's a known thing. It's a no-no. He knew what he was doing. He wanted yeah. to get his guys fired up. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, first Blue Jays ejection. You know, if you're going to get, if you're going to get kicked out, you make it a good one. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, some news and notes before we get into the uh, World Series celebration here. I don't have a ton. Taylor Saucedo is reported to Buffalo. He's joining their bullpen. He will be on a rehab assignment. Otto Lopez is on a 19-game hit streak for the Buffalo Bisons. And Ricky Tiedemann made another start for New Hampshire. Only three innings pitched, but he didn't give up a hit. No earned runs. Two walks, two strikeouts. He got three ground balls, one pop-up, one fly ball. No line drives given up off him. Seven swing strikes on only 39 pitches. So, yeah. What do you expect from a 19-year-old in uh, double-A? Doing great stuff. You can clearly see he's uh, one of the top, if not the, like he's a top two left-handed pitching prospect in all of baseball. And we're going to talk about Tiedemann a lot as the offseason goes on. But Riley, unless you have anything to add about that, I want to get into the 92 World Series celebration team. Um, I'm sure you saw this. I was there. It was awesome. I got my bomber jacket on right now, too. So I was glad to get one of those. And it was so good to see a bunch of former faces. And they had the tribute videos and whatnot. Uh, One of my favorite things is they had cone heads in the flight deck. So people were getting crazy for David Cone. And um, I really loved the Dave Winfield. The Winfield has noise things coming in. I love those. I actually want to get myself one of those signs. I think I'm, uh, I might go to order one online here. And I also really liked how they brought the 92 World Series team in on the cars and stuff. It reminded me of when they tried to auction off uh, George Bell's car <laughs> when they were coming in back in the uh, early 90s there. And Anne Murray with the National Anthem was sick. Did you have a favorite moment from the uh, 92 World Series celebration there? It was actually, I'll, I'll correct you. It was it was Derek Bell, not Derek George Bell. Bell. That's right. Yes. All good. All good with his truck. Derek Bell Funny thing about Derek Bell, he had the wildest, uh, one of the wildest MLB careers. Um, but uh, yeah, what what a ceremony! I did see a lot of it, Jesse. And honest to God, man, it was it was something special. Now, one of the, my biggest takeaways was when they recreated the 
the actual play. So for those of you who weren't there and don't know what was going on, it was the 10th inning um, in Atlanta. This is, we did not win at home this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an extra innings. Mike Timlin with the pitch. Otis Nixon tried to lay down a bunt with two yeah. in. So I don't, don't know see what that he's now. thinking there. <laughs> yeah. No, of course not. One of the weirder plays to end a World Series. And of course, Mike Timlin right back to him, fields it perfectly, throws the ball to Joe Carter, who was on first base at the time, and jumps up and down. Why wouldn't you? You just won the World Series. You absolutely love to see it. Now, my thought, Jesse, after seeing that, was what would be, that was, you know, to recreate that moment. So special, man. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. So special. Um, so next year on the anniversary of the 93, is Joe Carter going to have to go yard? <laughs> <laughs> I think he might. I wonder how many attempts they're going to have to have with Joe Carter at the bat to try to put one into left field to, uh, to recreate that one. <laughs> I hope they do it. I hope they do something similar. Like he can stand out there and flip a bat or something and then do a trot around the bases. Cause <laughs> that would be awesome. They have set the precedent here. I think they have to try it for the anniversary of the 93 team. Absolutely. I'm sure Mitch Williams c- couldn't get anywhere close to the strike zone though. So we're going to have to get someone else in there. Yeah. Some other, uh, the guy they called wild thing. Um, I don't know before or after Charlie Sheen was called wild thing, but Boy, um, another special moment in Jay's history, as we all know. Uh, the Timlin thing was cool. Um, obviously, Tom Hankey back then, the Terminator for us, and it was uh, Mike Timlin getting the save in that very special game in Atlanta in 1992. Mike Timlin actually got the ball to Joe Carter for as much as he was jumping around, never gave up the ball. He did give it up to Mike Timlin at some point. So Timlin has that ball still, and that's great. But Riley, let's get back to the current team here. The Blue Jays coming off a bad series against um, the Los Angeles Angels will try to get back to their winning ways as they uh, extend their homestand here and welcome in the Chicago Cubs into town, a team we don't get to really see that often playing teams in the NL Central. The Cubs are five and five in their last 10 games to so play in 500 baseball. They have the 16th best offense, according to Wobble, and their pitching is where they've really struggled this year. They're 23rd in baseball in team ERA. Game one, it looks like it's going to be Jose Brios against Javier Assad. Game two will be Kevin Gosman against Marcus Stroman. That'll be a fun one. It'll be Stroman's return to the Rogers Center for the first time since we traded him. And game three will be Mitch White against Luke Farrell. Riley, got a prediction? How are we going to do in this series? Well, I would like to win this series. Let's start with that. I would really like to win this series. Um, I don't really know much about the National League Central. I'll be honest. I don't pay attention to a lot of the Central teams, um, especially in the National League. But the Chicago Cubs are not the Cubs, um, you know, that you and I would have watched a few years ago. This is a totally different uh, ball club, really, in the in the in the whole of it. It's a really it's a really different team. Um, it's a series that, um, you know, again, we hope we win. We hope we take two out of three. That's always the goal going into a series is to win it. If it isn't, you're not doing it right. So winning two out of three, I think, is the expectation. And I think we pull it off, man. I think that um, I think that Barrios might have a strong start. And I also I also think Gosman does. I think I think Stroman after the rain of booze that come down on him. I'm sure I don't know what it is going to be. I won't I won't boo Marcus Stroman. I got nothing against the guy. He makes some noise on social media. He was a great pitcher for us. Um, He's still in the league. He's still relevant. 
Marcus Stroman had some of the best starts in blue, like Blue Jays franchise history. He started the but wild I just, card I game. think it, I think it will be me booing. I just think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. But I think it's going to be a series that we're going to win. But I think it's going to be another nail biter, man. I think after what we saw happen against the LA Angels, I think we we're kind of under the gun right now. We're going to have to really pay attention to what happens. Watch Bull Bichette. You know, watch how he plays defense. See how their bottom of the order re- reacts to their pitching. Guys that we don't see often, you know. Um, hopefully they can, you know, be the spark at times, you know, because there's not much report on maybe lifetime matchups. Maybe you got a guy the most at-bats against the pitcher is seven or something like that, you know. There's not much, not much going. It could go either way. I don't think we're going to get swept. But I, I also think that the expectation and the goal would be two games here uh, with us coming out on top. I agree. I'm going to predict two out of three. I do think Marcus Stroman is going to pitch well against Kevin Gosman, but the problem is Kevin Gosman is just amazing. So we'll see. Two out of three. Something's going to go wrong in one of these games, whether we get bad Burrios or Mitch White has it or Kikuchi has to pitch and gives up some runs and blows a game. Something like that is going to happen in one of these games, but I do trust the Blue Jays' bats will come back alive. They will play well. They're too good of a team not to, right? They have to. And honestly, even then, if we win two out of three here, a two and four home stand isn't great. And we're going to have to keep going on winning race to keep our hopes in the playoff race alive. Yep. And we are right, right at the edge of that cliff, man. I mean, if something's going to go wrong and, and, and really affect our season, it had just started against the Angels. So we'll take that. Let's put it in our back pocket. Let's put it in our memory bank. Let that happen. That happened. Okay. Mm-hmm. That happened. Let's not, let's not let that happen again. If we got to put the bats in the oven to warm them up, <laughs> I don't know. Let's try something here. This is an, you know, a team we don't play off and it's an important series for us. So at the same time, you know, we're in the, knocking on the door of September. I don't know the exact date because I live under a hole. Uh, what is today, Jesse? The 28th of August. Dude, we're just about we're just about at the into September, man. This is a series that's gonna bring us into September. Like we're right at the door, man. Third wild card spot right now ain't gonna cut it. Yeah, Let's well, see what we can do against the Cubbies. That'll do it for our episode here today. Thank you for everybody for tuning in. Make sure to like and subscribe and leave a five star review on those podcast streaming platforms. You really do help us out as we're trying to get going and make this channel even bigger over here. So anything you guys can do to help. Would be great. Uh, yeah. Anything else to add, Riley, before we get out of here today? No, man. Let's fly the W in the dome, though, man. Yeah, let's do it. Good stuff. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you again next week. Thanks, guys.